Welcome to the HT Cambridge podcast. For more information, see our website, htcambridge.org.uk. Today's first reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, which is on page 977 of your Bible. That's Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the second reading is from Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 34. That's on page 1009 of your Bible. That's Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 31. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked them. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men he had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. The sun's come out. It's great um, that we can uh, have time together to worship our God this morning. But I felt that as um, I uh, was thinking about how to, to begin this morning, that it would only be right by, by beginning uh, by saying that this whole theme of resting in the rush is very much something that I am learning. I am still a work in progress. Um, and by way of illustration, um, I just wanted to share with you um, my response when I realized that I, my name, um, before I'd even seen what it was I was speaking about, was, was down on the preaching program to speak this morning at the end of the first week of the student term. Um, immediately, I was like, okay, 
I can do this. I'm going to just work solidly through the week. I'm just going to, you know, every, everything else can, can wait and, you know, rest. Well, I, I will rest once it's finished. Um, that, that genuinely went through my head. Um, and then I um, took one look at the next column, um, which gave me the, the theme of what it was that I was going to be speaking on. Um, and the title, as you'll see in your uh, service sheets this morning, is Resting in the Rush. Um, and I started to laugh, and my team asked me why I was laughing, and then they started laughing too. Um, so, um, yeah, this is definitely something I'm learning. But there's nothing quite like having to stand up and speak in front of a couple hundred people um, on a Sunday morning to, take, to make you take this thing seriously. Uh, but really, this morning, what I want to do is share with you some of the lessons that I have learned as I've been preparing for this this morning and over, really, as God has been speaking to me about this whole subject of rest over the last few years. But I think that if we are going to hear God speak to us this morning, um, we definitely need to ask for his help. So why don't we start by, by praying and, and asking God to come and teach us uh, as we look at this invitation this morning. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we have to open up your word together this morning. God, thank you for every person that is gathered in this place to worship you and to learn from you. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this invitation that you have set before us to come and to find rest in you, Lord, that you would make it personal today. I pray that your word would come alive to us. God, this invitation would be more real than it's ever been before. And we ask, God, that our lives would be transformed as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want us to begin by looking at God's invitation to rest. You know, in both Matthew and in Mark, uh, this invitation begins with this word, come. Come. God is inviting us to rest. You know, I, I wonder if you can think of things um, in life that have taken you by surprise. You know, a, a situation or a, a, some event that um, you imagine going one way, but then suddenly takes this kind of turn and um, the outcome is not at all what you expected. Well, I had a, an experience a little bit like this a year ago when I was going uh, out to Australia to see my friends, um, and I was going in their winter, I knew that, um, but I was going to Brisbane, I was going to, to Queensland, um, where I'd been told that the temperature doesn't usually get much below about kind of 18 degrees, that's what my friends had told me, so I'd packed my shorts, I'd packed my t-shirts, and I thought, you know, uh, you know this is going to be great, it's going to be better than the British summer. Um, so I went sort of thinking, you know, I'm escaping, uh, <laughs> escaping England, uh, English weather for a little while, um, and... Um, and all was well until I arrived at the airport, and my friend picked me up, and she said, Ellie, I'm so sorry to tell you, but we are just about to um, go into a, a period of low pressure that is going to be colder than we've ever known in the seven years we've been here, um, and um, also that um, lots of our Aussie friends, you know, they are bracing themselves for it. Um, and then a couple of days later, on the news headlines, there were um, reports of snow um, in, in Queensland, and Aussies were traveling from all over the place to see this white stuff falling from the sky that they'd never seen before. You know, that was not really what I had in mind when I imagined going out to stay with my friends in Brisbane. Sometimes things surprise us. 
And maybe this invitation to rest in the middle of the rush feels a little bit like this this morning. You know, we know that God tells us to do things, to follow him, to obey his commands, to do the things that he did. But what about this command to rest, this invitation to rest? You know, it goes totally against the culture that we live in, where we're always doing, we're always striving for the next thing, whatever that may be, whether that's success or money or happiness or fitness or health. You know, surely God can't really mean this today. But I want to start by making it really clear that rest does not go against God's plan. For God, rest isn't some added extra if we've got time and we've ticked everything off our to-do lists. If we look at the story of creation, you know, we read this, this account of how, of how God created the world, we're told, in seven days. And one whole day was taken up with rest. There was a whole universe to make, but yet one day was taken up with rest. For us living in a world that never stops, it's quite hard to get our head round. It's just easier, isn't it, to keep on doing, to keep on going. But if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to go where he goes, we need to take this command to rest seriously. Why? Because he does. And we see this invitation in both of our passages this morning. And in Matthew and in Mark, the same word is used for come. It's this Greek word, jita, which is much more, um, it's much stronger than merely a suggestion. You know, when Jesus says, come, he's not saying, you know, come when everything else is done, if you feel like it. You know, if you've got nothing better to do, then, okay, come and have a little rest. It's way more weighty than that. It's the same word that he's used when he's inviting the disciples at the very beginning of his ministry to follow him. You know, if we don't think that this command to rest in the rush is, is crazy enough, you know, then check out the timing for these guys of when Jesus gives this invitation. In both cases, the people that he was speaking to were super busy. The rush was definitely on for them. You know, in Matthew, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. To these people that were weighed down by the demands of the law, striving to do good and to live a good life, there was so much to do. And then in Mark, you know, we read how these disciples have been sent out to preach, to heal, to cast out demons, to set people free. And then in verse 31, we're even told that there were so many people who were coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. The demands on their time the, you know, were huge. Pastoral issues were rolling in. Deadlines were looming. You know, the sick and dying who wanted their attention, they couldn't really wait for very long. And yet to the weary and burdened in Matthew and the exhausted and hungry in Mark, Jesus says, come. And rest. The timing of Jesus' invitation in some ways doesn't seem to make much sense. Now was surely not the time. And maybe you can relate to that this morning. There is so much to do. There are so many things demanding your time and your attention that you just say, you know, I'll rest when. I'll rest when everything's done. I'll rest when I've ticked off my to-do list when I've met that deadline, when my exams are over, when, when, 
when. But I want to suggest this morning that there'll always be something else. There's always going to be something else demanding our time and our attention. You know, I am definitely somebody who loves to make a list. You know, being able to tick something off my to-do list brings great satisfaction. And sometimes, when I'm feeling particularly overwhelmed, I will start a day by writing down at the top of my to-do list something that I completed yesterday but never wrote down just so that I can cross it off um, and um, get myself into a good frame of mind to begin a new day. I'm a classic example of I will rest when. <laughs> but a few years ago, God really began to, to speak to me about this. And a little verse that's tucked away in Exodus chapter 34 jumped off the page, um, and, I, and I noticed it. I'd, I'd never really even read it before. And it says this, Exodus 34 to verse 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Even during the plowing season. Even during the harvest, even when deadlines are looming, when exams are uh, uh, approaching fast, even during finals, we've got to rest. And something that, you know, really practically that, that God challenged me on was to, to, to have a, a day off every, every week. You know, what I used to find myself doing was thinking, um, particularly before I came to Cambridge, where I was working before, that, you know, if I just do a couple of hours of work in the morning, then I'll be able to enjoy the rest of my day more. <laughs> then I'll feel freer to enjoy the afternoon and my time off. But I listened to a talk, actually, by Andy Croft, um, and he was teaching on something similar to this and um, saying how God had been speaking to him uh, about making that time and, tr and trusting <laughs> God, that if we, if we rest, that he will be faithful in that. You know, and, and I decided that day that I was going to try and, and respond to this challenge. You know, and there is still sometimes that temptation, but every time when I choose to trust God with that, he is always faithful. He's never let me down. You know, and I don't want us to become really legalistic about this. You know, in just uh, the very next chapter after um, Jesus says to, to these people in Matthew to come and to rest, in the next chapter, um, we see Jesus' response to the Pharisees who condemn the disciples for picking grain on the Sabbath. You know, and he, he reminds them that he is Lord of the Sabbath. You know, sometimes it is just busy. Sometimes there are times when we need to get our head down and there are different seasons in life. But even during those times, it is good to constantly be thinking about what is going on in our hearts. You know, for me, wanting to work on my day off was really coming from a fear of letting go of control. Thinking that it was all about me, that I need to do it all. But we can trust him. We can trust him. You know, what I've increasingly come to see is that God's invitation to rest is not some guilt trip, but it reveals just how incredible his heart is for us. To those weighed down by burdens, to those who are absolutely exhausted and haven't had time to eat, he invites them to come and rest, and that invitation extends to us as well. I love that God should care enough about us that he should write this down for us. 
it puts an end, doesn't it, to any suggestion that God is some kind of slave driver. Unlike other demands on our time, God's call to rest isn't something to burden us or to weigh us down, but to give us life. So God invites us to come and rest. It's part of his plan, but where do we find it? Where do we go to receive this rest that he's talking about? Recently, BBC Radio 4 launched something called the Rest Test, which was an online survey to investigate the nation's resting habits and attitudes towards relaxation and busyness. And thousands of people took part in some attempt to, to kind of work out how it is that people find rest. You know, we want to know how to do it well. And we try and find rest, don't we, in all kinds of places, whether it's in relationships or in successful careers or in money or in expensive holidays. You know, we've all seen, haven't we, those adverts of, of blue skies and white sandy beaches of families kind of skipping merrily along the shore, thinking that that is, um, you know, where we're going to find true rest. Jesus doesn't just say, go and rest and hope that we'll work it out. We don't need to analyze the results of a survey to find the kind of rest that Jesus is talking about here. He makes it incredibly clear. And he repeats it in both these invitations we see in Matthew and in Mark. Come to me, he says in Matthew. Come with me, he says to his disciples in Mark. But so often we don't come. So often we, we put it off or we come as a last resort when we've tried everything else. Just a, a little example um, of something that happened to me recently, illustrating this kind of putting something off. So, um, like many of you, you know, spend a lot of time cycling around Cambridge. I've been in Cambridge almost three years now, um, and uh, my, my, my bike um, was, was fairly new when I came, but I haven't really done anything to it in the time that I've, that I've been here. And I was really aware that the chain was getting rustier and rustier. Um, I was aware that I needed to oil it. I had the oil on my shelf at home. Um, and, you know, I would get home and I'd put it outside my house each evening and think, I'll do that. Um, and sure enough, I would get back on my bike the next day and it, it was never done. Um, anyway, a couple of Tuesdays ago, Ollie... Um, our curate, he took one look at my chain and he said, Ellie, that's not going to last much longer. <laughs> so that is about to break. That's about to, to come off. And I, um, I said what I've been saying for the last few months. Well, it's okay, Ollie. I've got some oil at home and I'll put it on later. Sure enough, I didn't. That was Tuesday. Thursday morning, cycling into work for our staff morning Bible study. Um, and it's running slightly late. If I'd cycled, it would have been fine. Um, but halfway there, my bike decided that that was the moment that it wasn't going to go any further. The chain comes off. It starts, like, clunking round. It gets all mangled up. Um, and I end up running through the Grafton Centre across Christ Pieces um, and up the stairs into the HMH um, just in time um, for the beginning of the Bible study. And then a couple of days later, on my day off, I had to take my bike rather embarrassingly into the bike shop on Mill Road, present it to the guy, and sort of run away um, and say, do whatever needs to be done um, to mend this uh, mess. Um, but, you know, often I think that's how we respond to Jesus' invitation. You know, it's like we, we do everything else, we put it off, we think, you know, I'll rest when, I'll do it when. And it's like, why didn't we come sooner? You know, we try and find it everywhere else, but we've told, been told so clearly, 
where it is that we can find it. In the very beginning of of Mark chapter 6, we're told that, you know, how Jesus sends the disciples out to go and do the things that Jesus had been doing. And when they come back to him, he doesn't tell them off for, for slacking or that they need to work harder. He invites them to get away from the crowds and to come and to spend a bit of time with him. And admittedly, on this occasion, it really was a very little bit of time. But here we see, you know, really the the rhythm of the Christian life. You know, Jesus sends us out, but then he invites us to come back. He sends us out from his presence to go to the places that he's calling us to go. But then he says to us that we're to come back from those places into his presence to be filled so that we can go again. I think we're good at being sent out. (laughs) We're not so good at remembering to come back. Come to me is the invitation that he gives us. And this rest that Jesus offers isn't something that we've got to earn or work for. When we come to him, we're told that he gives us rest. No strings attached. It's a totally free gift. And I love that the only condition is to be weary and burdened. But we've got to come to him. We've got to come to him. You know, if I were to say to you this morning... Come to me, all you who like chocolate, and I will give you some dairy milk. In fact, I can say that because here is a bar of dairy milk. Come. If you like dairy milk, come. There was a bit of a a reluctance in the the 9.30 service. This is genuine, if anybody would like. Come on, then. (laughs) Priscilla, well done. (laughs) Wow, that is amazing. I thought that we'd be running down the aisles. Um, (laughs) But, you know, in order for Priscilla to receive that chocolate, (laughs) she needed to come and get it. And that's a bit what it's like with Jesus' invitation. If we want to rest, we've got to come near. He's not going to, you know, we can't order it online. We can't, um, you know, he's not going to send it out in the post. We've got to draw close to him. And there are no hoops to jump through. Imagine how freeing that would have been to those who were weighed down by the law that Jesus was speaking to in Matthew or those disciples swamped by the needs of the crowd. If you just come here, I'll give you rest for your soul that you will not find anywhere else. And today, Jesus knows the places in our lives where we are weary and where we are burdened. Those things that are weighing us down, outside demands and also inside Often the heaviest burdens that we carry, it's not the external stuff, but it's the stuff going on in here, in our hearts. Those things that no amount of success or spa days or even sleep will remove. I wonder what it is for you. Maybe this morning it's stress or or guilt or some addiction or shame or a low self-worth. But Jesus promises a rest for the soul in a way that nothing and no one else can. Because at the cross, these things have been broken. And as we come to him, we can find true, life-transforming rest. So quite simply, the application here is to come. To come to him. It doesn't matter how we do it or where we do it or when we do it. But we've just got to come and spend time with him every day. 
not once a year, every day, come to me. You know, there's always more to receive from God. We can never get enough. Come to me. And we've got to think about, about that before we do it. Because other things, I can tell you, other things will creep in. Other things will come as you, you know, you think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. Or, you know, uh, there'll they'll come a time when, when I've got a bit more time in my day. Then I'll come to God. Then I'll make time to spend with him. But that will never happen because there'll always be something else. You know, for, for me, it, it was, a, a, you know, made such a difference when I decided <laughs> that this was something that I was going to really try and do, to come to him. And, you know, even then, it was, it's amazing. I, I barely um, get, tech, <laughs> you know, don't get very many messages. And what I'm about to say um, isn't representative of my entire day. But, you know, whenever I would sit down, and if I'd sit down with my phone next to me, it's amazing. Suddenly, everybody would text, and there'd be all this stuff coming up on my phone. So I decided that, you know, that was too distracting, and I was going to put that aside um, and just um, try and, and, and make space to, to be with God without those distractions. But, you know, we've got to make decisions, and we've got to make choices. But there surely can be nothing more important than drawing near to the one who gives rest, who shifts our perspective, who brings us life. Jesus invites us to rest. He shows us where we can find true rest. But what is this rest that he offers us? You know, Jesus has just been talking in this passage in Matthew. He's just talking about rest. And then in the very next breath, he starts talking about yokes. Now, when I think about rest, that's not the first thing. That's not the first kind of picture that comes into my mind. You know, a yoke is a symbol of, of hard work. You know, we are told in Matthew 11:30 that, you know, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But I don't know about you, sometimes it doesn't always feel very light. You know, even when we're following Jesus, we face challenges. There are pressures in our life, situations that overwhelm us. And I'm sure the disciples in Mark chapter 6 could relate to that pretty well. Because straight after Jesus has invited them to come away and rest a while, they find themselves faced with the biggest hospitality challenge known to man, which puts cooking student lunch or risky dinner um, each week into perspective. You know, this God whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light presents them with an impossible task. And I'm sure in that moment, as they received this kind of instruction to go and feed thousands of people, following Jesus didn't feel like a particularly easy yoke or a particularly light burden. You know, I'm sure none of us have faced a catering challenge of quite that size. But maybe in some way you can relate to what I'm talking about this morning. You know, his yoke doesn't always feel light. So what is this rest that he gives us? What are we being promised when we come to him. You know, and this symbol of, of a yoke, you know, it's of two, um, this, this, the kind of picture that it, that it conjures up is of two animals being kind of fastened by this wooden kind of crossbar um, in order to, to be able to pull a, a plow or, or whatever it was that they were being tasked with. And in Palestine, those ox yokes would have been made, made of wood. But before an ox was made to wear it, 
careful measurements were made so that it fit well. The yoke was tailor-made for the ox. And when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, what he's saying is, my yoke fits well. I know your measurements, and my yoke, my way, fits perfectly. You know, we're all yoked to something. We've all got things that bind us in our lives, whether that's striving for success or approval or money or whatever it might be. We're all yoked to something. But often those things don't fit well and make rest pretty impossible. You know, if you're yoked to to money, then we're not going to be able to rest until we've got enough. And when's that going to be? If we're yoked to achievement, We're not going to be able to rest until we've ticked everything off our to-do list. Will that ever happen? But when we're yoked to Jesus, we no longer need to strive for these things because we're not defined by them anymore. We don't have to prove our worth to him. We're defined by who he says that we are, his beloved sons and daughters. And that's what frees us up to rest well. So what is it that you're living for at the moment? What is it that you're yoked to? On the cross, Jesus has set us free from those things that do not fit well. He invites us to take them off and to put on his burden, which is made to measure. His way, which fits us perfectly because he created us and he knows everything there is to know about us. This passage in Matthew 11 in the message version says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't place anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Real rest, the kind of rest that Jesus is talking about, isn't found in having our to-do list emptied or escaping to some beautiful beach somewhere, as lovely as those things are. The kind of rest he offers is found when we walk with him, when we work with him, when we keep company day by day, moment by moment with him. The way Jesus makes the yoke easy and the burden light is by coming and walking alongside us in the middle of whatever is going on in our lives. And sometimes there will be busy times, busy seasons, But that doesn't mean we have to wait until they're over before we can come and receive this rest he's talking about. Today, Jesus' invitation is even for the rush. (laughs) When a a farmer would would yoke the ox together, they would put an older one with a a younger to, to train them so that the younger could learn from the older and also so that the older one could take the, the, the bulk of the load and the younger one could come alongside. 
And that's the picture Jesus is painting here. The rest he offers doesn't come from, you know, taking off all the stuff we're doing so that we just stay stationary for the rest of our lives until we get to heaven. You know, that's not the kind of rest he's, he's offering so that, you know, we can carry it on our own. Instead, he's offering to come close so that he can carry whatever is in front of us to do, whatever is on our plate, so that he can carry it with us, so that we can learn from him. Jesus asks for our all, but he gives us his all to help. And that's exactly what's going on, I think, in Mark chapter 6. As the disciples are faced with this mammoth task of feeding thousands of people, they didn't have to do it on their own. They did it with him. They walked with him and they worked with him. And as they did, they saw a miracle happen before their very eyes. The burden gets heavy when we stop asking for help. When we think it's all about us and we forget about him. You know, when the disciples first received that instruction to feed all those people gathered on the mountainside that day, their immediate response was, how the heck are we going to do this? You know, eight months' wages, that's what it would cost. Do you want us to, to spend that much on bread? And they were right. You know, it was impossible. If they tried to do it on their own, there was no way they were ever going to do it. But as they did it with him, as they did it in his power, as they followed his instructions, and I love the way that Jesus teaches them, the way that they learn from him as they walk with him and as they work with him. You know, he's like, do this next step and then the next step and then sit the crowds in groups on the grass and then start distributing the food that I'm going to give you. you know, the impossible became possible and every single person gathered on the mountainside that day was fed and then they even had to, to follow Jesus' instructions to pick up the leftovers on the ground afterwards. If we want to find real rest, rest for our souls and we've got to keep company with him we've got to walk with him we've got to work with him every single day 365 days a year seven days a week 24 hours a day and we can invite him into every moment of our lives he cares about everything that we're doing all that we are and he wants to help us and come alongside us but it's a daily, moment-by-moment moment decision to do it, to come to him, to lean on him. And every day we need, if you're anything like me, to keep on resetting because so easily we forget and we start to try and do it in our own strength. But I do think that the more we do it, the more we'll remember to come. And the more we remember to come, the more we'll discover of this life-restoring rest that only Jesus can bring. It doesn't matter what's on our to-do lists, whether we're feeding thousands of people or sitting on a beach with our feet up. True rest is found when we keep company with him. We're going to have a little chance to, to respond to, to God's invitation now as Paddy and the band come and lead us in a song. And um, I just inv invite you really to, to respond however you want to. The words will be on the screen and you can, you can join in, you can stand, you can sit, or you can just have time. Um, just 
asking that, that this invitation that is before us would become personal for you today. And listen to God's call to you to come. Let me pray and then uh, Paddy is going to lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care about us enough to give us this invitation to come to you, to, to rest. And Father God, I pray that, that you would help us to respond to this, to take it seriously. God, that we wouldn't put it off, that we wouldn't be people that say, I'll rest when. God, I pray that you would be teaching us today that, God, we can come and we can find true rest, even in the rush. And Lord, I pray particularly that you would be showing us how it is that we can be coming to you daily. Father, I pray that, that you would stir in us a hunger to want to draw near to you, to say yes to this invitation. God, that we wouldn't wait until it, you know, we're absolutely exhausted. I pray, God, that we would keep on coming moment by moment. And as we do, Lord, I pray we would come to discover this life-restoring rest that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. There you go. Oh, Lord. 
places. 